Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the CL Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of Sound Art Heart. I am, of course, Mark Kastner, and we are uh, together on this, on this lovely, sunny Seattle afternoon. And uh, it, is a, it is a joy to be alive. It is a joy to be a Sounders fan right now because uh, they're winning again. Uh, today I'm joined by the uh, lovely Su- Susie Rance, Jeremiah O'Shan, and uh, the one and only Dave Clark. Welcome on the show for the first time, Dave. Thank you for having me. What's it like to be on a podcast for a blog that you started that you no longer run? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of fun. It's it's uh, it'll be uh, good to uh, babble about the uh, the teams again. Yeah, and uh, we do have a lot to babble about today. We'll I guess we'll start the episode with uh, this this the Sounders made another signing, another surprise signing. If you haven't if you haven't seen the news yet, which would be surprising if you're listening to this show, but they uh, brought back Roman Torres, who was uh, out at sea uh, playing for the awful inter Miami and he wasn't even actually playing. He uh, oh. hadn't, he was just hanging out in Miami according to his Instagram. It looked like he was having a lot of fun, but uh, now he gets to come back and uh, presumably play some soccer um, for, for the Sounders. Uh, Jeremiah, do you want to kind of give us the rundown of, of the details of what happened? Well, we don't have, we haven't, they actually haven't had any press availability surprisingly, but uh Basically, what what you know, Torres left in the off season, and the premise was that the Sounders were willing to bring him back, but he wanted more money than the Sounders were willing to offer him, and because he, they had only offered him a reduced contract, they did not actually hold his rights, and so they didn't have any ability to actually stop him from going anywhere else. He went to Inter Miami, who presumably gave him closer to what he had been looking for or at the very least was going to give him a fresh start and he could live in Miami. And uh, things started off well enough. He was started for the first five games. I think the only game he missed was actually because of a red card. Uh, and the, Miami wasn't playing well, but he was playing. And, and, but he was also signed before Diego Alonso had been hired as the coach. And, um, and I, I think Diego, it sounds like Diego Alonso just had a different idea of how he wanted his center backs to play than how Roman Torres played. And he's only actually played five minutes uh, since the end of MLS's back. I actually think that he only played, yeah, so he, he played, he must have played two games at MLS's back. And then just once, when, when one appearance since then, he hadn't even suited up for the last two games. So I guess he was in mood for a, a scenery change. My suspicion is that the Sounders got him on a pretty deep discount. Uh, if I were to guess, I would assume that Miami's picking up the bulk of his salary, if not, you know, all of the off cap or all of the uh, 
over minimum port. Like he might be hitting this. My suspicion is he's hitting the Sounders like a, a minimum salary player. So it's probably a pretty good deal for them. And, and I think all they're really looking for him to do is to be like a veteran presence off the bench. Like I'm sure he's going to get some playing time, but there's no reason he needs to rush in. I mean, right now I suspect he's going to be competing with Shane O'Neill to be like the third center back. Um, and who knows, maybe he works his way into a starting spot, but I don't think that's what the Sounders are signing him with the assumption that he'll do. Well, let's remember that last year he wasn't a regular starter. He only had 12 starts last season. So he was already a, a fringe player. But he, um, he, he did start three or four playoff games. And, and MLS Cup. And MLS Cup. Yeah. And he, and part he of was why he missed, the only, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, part of why he only started 12 games is he missed 10 for a suspension, and then he was on international duty and had injuries. So whenever he was healthy and available, he was very much in the, like, starting rotation. Yeah, so I if – I think if you were to look at one, and I'll go to I'll go to Susie after this. I think if you were to look at kind of one spot on this roster that you're kind of uneasy about, it's it would probably be center back, right, Susie? Before this trade, yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, we've we've talked a lot about it a lot here before. I think that Roman Torres also just he shows up in big games and he's done that for the Sounders and to have someone like that as an option is just huge right now like Jeremiah said for kind of limited cap resources. Yeah, and 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 the the, the Sounders played on on Sunday night and uh you know they don't play until this coming Saturday. Uh but after that they pr- they're pretty much playing every every three or four days. So, um, and of course they have, they have the ability to use five substitutes in a game. So I just, I like, I I saw some chatter today about, about some people, some Sounders fans just being like, I I just don't get this trade. And, and at least from my perspective, it just seems like a no brainer. Right. I mean, what's not to get. I, I don't know. (laughs) I was just, Trying to offer an argument. <laughs> no, I know. I, just don't, I mean, that's the thing is that it's like I've, I've seen that chatter too, and people are like, "Well, why? Like, where are we getting the room to sign this guy? And and what are we? You know, it's like, guys, I mean, they clearly aren't breaking the bank to bring him in. Uh, they got Brad Smith on a on a pretty decent discount as well. Uh, whether or not the Sounders are on the hook for, you know, all or poor. Uh, po- I mean, they, he. I don't think this was a cap. This was not a deal where they were going to get an equivalent experience, a player of equivalent experience. And the thing is, is that if you have a choice of bringing in a unknown commodity or a known commodity, I mean, yeah, I think like I, I get the argument that uh, I, I suppose, I suppose one of the good faith arguments somebody could put forward is like, well, why not just give Josh Atencio those minutes? And well, I I think I, I like Josh Atencio's game, but we're looking at we're looking at an MLS schedule that's brutal, and quite frankly, we want the Sounders to be the best team in MLS. And I, I don't I, and and I think one of the big big major question marks is is if Ariaga does does go on international duty, he's going to miss like some something like like. Uh, six or seven matches uh, because of quarantine stuff. If if he does have to leave the country, um, do you, uh, Dave, I, I know you cover, I know you cover the defiance a lot, um, both 
previously professionally and, and, and you do the, uh, 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 broadcast, like, do you see, like, what do you see in Atencio's game? Do you think like maybe it's pushing him further down the, down the chart? I think, I think you might need to unmute. The, uh, the, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, even though I've worked for Tacoma defiance and been on the broadcast in season three now, development's cool and all, but you know, what's cooler than development trophies <laughs> like, for all the, the positives for development. The, the best news of the past four years has been, you know, three MLS cup appearances and two wins. I, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like selling Henry Wingo on is great for a development story, but the bigger news is winning a ton of games and hosting an MLS cup final. And if they can host an MLS Cup final by uh, slowing down Josh Atencio's development, oh well. Like, I'm yeah, not. I'm not terribly worried about that. And at the same point, you know, um, maybe we'll get to see four center backs on the field at the same time. I wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me to have Brian Schmetzer do that at some point. Now we've we've seen it with three in the past. Uh, let, let's get four center backs on on the field all at once and none of them playing it as a, uh, as a target forward. It'd be fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and maybe even having uh, Torres on the roster helps Atencio develop as a player. Um, I don't know. I think he's like, he, he's been really clear. He's, he's learning from uh, Gustav and Dilem more than anybody else. Uh, he is going to be a hybrid style um, okay. defensive mid center back. That's probably what he is. And I think you're for a player that's not Jordan Morris or DeAndre Yedlin filling in those kind of hybrid roles, uh, Alex Villanueva being able to be a both side fullback, for example, or Tensio playing as a midfielder and a center back. I mean, it's better to spend homegrown slots on that than spend a hundred K of uh, cap money doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Like like an Abdul Salam at the fullback position, like we had last season. Yeah, like as that was much a, as I liked him. That's a cap hit in a senior roster spot, and if you can fill that, so you free, you know, a few grand to throw towards a Brad Smith or a Ramon Torres, you do that. I yeah, feel like I, there's lots of positions too where it's you feel a lot more comfortable throwing someone younger in. Um, center back is not necessarily one of those. Um, so, uh, yeah, to not put that pressure on Atencio to like have to step up and to let him really settle into the game or into games more makes a lot of sense for long-term development. Yeah. I think you can probably argue that it's this exact cycle that has kept the Sounders from really being able to develop a center back. Uh, you know, and, and you look at, you know, I think it's overblown how many of them they've missed on, but you know, they, they haven't really even tried to, uh, to develop a center back but the reason for that is pretty straightforward and it's that they're constantly competing for trophies and you know it, it is it's like center backs one of those positions that it's really hard to try to develop talent and win games unless the guy that you're bringing in is this kind of savant and um and that's not what you know they haven't had that player come through their system yet and and i i guess there's an opportunity cost involved in that but again like dave said it's like if you're if you're pushing for trophies and you're like lagging on some of the development side 
I think most people are going to take that trade off. Yeah. And they also just developed a guy who's playing. I'm being tongue in cheek, but a guy who's playing in the champions league that they sold on. Uh, (laughs) um, I do want to, I do kind of want to talk about this idea that there's a possibility Ariaga is going to miss some time if he does go away on international duty. And I know MLS is, you know, doing legal leg legwork and stuff with FIFA and, you know, maybe, maybe on the next show we can bring Mickey on and he can explain some of that stuff to us. But uh, basically, Susie, I just want to ask you a straightforward question. If Ariaga's gone for six games, are you comfortable with Shane O'Neill, uh, uh, Yamar Andrade Gomez and uh, Roman Torres as the center backs? Yeah, I think I I think they've shown in these last few games that you you'd be comfortable with any of those combinations. Obviously, I think Ariaga has been quite solid lately, um, and he'll be missed, like especially what he brings to to their possession. Um, that that'll certainly be missed. But I feel like, in particular, I know I mentioned this before, I was actually more worried about the midfield coming out of the challenge cup than I was about def- the defensive line necessarily. And I think having Jao Paulo um, healthy and available makes such a big difference from a defensive perspective as well. So as long as we can keep him healthy, um, I don't feel too nervous at all about any of the center back options. I could record an entire podcast series about Joe Paulo. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should after the season, but uh, does like, does any Jeremiah or Dave, do you have any concerns that if, if Ariaga has to leave with, with the way that the the Sounders can line up? I don't think I'm concerned about anything in particular. Like I, I feel pretty good about the, the depth now. I think I would have been much more concerned if, Josh Atencio was in a position where he was almost certainly going to have to play, you know, meaningful minutes. And now that's a little bit more of a luxury kind of play. And he can, he may be worked in kind of like as a late sub. Uh, and, but I mean, I think the Sanders aren't as good as they, like, they're not going to hit to me. They're not going to hit their ceiling at, unless Ariaga's in there. I think he's got the biggest upside and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I, I don't think anything has been officially announced. And I guess there's some, it's not just the, the October uh, World Cup qualifiers that he could get called into, but some November ones, if I understand correctly. Which is in the middle of the playoffs. <laughs> Which is in the middle of the playoffs, exactly. So, like, that's that's definitely a problem. And it'll be interesting. I, I think um, I'm maybe a little bit more worried about Rui Diaz missing extended time than I am about, Ariaga missing extended time but you know I thought the Sounders looked great without without Rui Diaz uh, on Sunday Will Bruin is about as good of a, a backup forward as you're going to have in this league so that's you know that that's of some that mitigates the concern a little bit but I, I think that's honestly at this point probably my bigger concern is Rui Diaz being gone for you know five games the, the thing I'm excited about with the center backs is I, I really want to see uh Yamar and Roman going up against um, just about any style of center forward, uh, just because the amount of time the opposing forwards will be on the ground running into those two. Um, you know, they can be beat on the dribble, that'll happen. But at the same point, uh, set pieces where 
I know we've uh, we've said set pieces can be an issue with the Sounders every year forever now. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm kind of excited for those moments because uh, you know Torres and uh, Andrade Gomez will be absolutely wonderful uh, in set piece defense. And Torres makes a great uh, late game substitution if you need a goal, like either from his assists on the wing or scoring off of set pieces <laughs> like we've seen uh, in the past, particularly against Portland, uh, which always makes me excited. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah kind of touched on it, but the, the, the Sounders played on Sunday night, of course. They beat the Galaxies three goals to one um, in, in a match that uh, didn't feature Raul Ruiz Diaz or Jobin Jones. Um, and... From the kickoff, it seemed like the Sounders were going to win that game by multiple goals, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty thorough performance, I thought, from the Sounders. And at, at no point did it did it feel like the, you know, obviously stranger things have happened. And I suppose you could argue that the game in some ways felt very similar to the start of the Timbers game. The difference being that the Sounders actually finished uh, you know, I, I want to say their first their, their first goal came about three or four good chances in, um, but it was a, you know, like clearly the Galaxy were were intent on playing a higher line and pressing higher up the field than the Timbers were, which seems to be playing right into the Sounders' hands lately. Yeah, I thought so on the broadcast. If if you were watching the uh, the local broadcast here in Seattle, and and I guess the ESPN Plus broadcast had. The, um, the LA announcers, but Casey Keller was just just roasting the Timbers every time, or not the Timbers, excuse me, the Galaxy every time Seattle scored. Like he was, like he was, it was like an affront to God that they were playing this high line. And <laughs> I don't like. I want to be careful what I say here. I don't think they did a bad job. I don't think the Galaxy played that badly. I, I think they didn't get pressure on the ball from their forwards, which put their, which put their defenders in, in a tough spot. What do you think, Susie? Yeah, I also feel like – well, I'll just admit that I feel like this season in general is really, really hard for me to gauge considering we're only playing this small pot of teams over and over. Um, I just find it's so hard to like gauge the Sounders or the Galaxy performance in the grand scheme of MLS. So I'll just say that. But I do feel like in general, too, the Sounders seem to have figured out um, how to press and how to break teams that that do play play a higher line and teams that like to pressure up top. Like the Sounders have figured that out quite well. Um, and in comparison to the Timbers, I'm still interested to see if they can figure out teams that sit back more. And I'm not sure we have kind of a clear answer on that yet. But I wouldn't say that I necessarily think LA Galaxy overall was bad. Sounders just had a pretty solid performance. And, you know, I, I saw this comment in the in the game thread, or I don't know, maybe it wasn't the game thread, but it was somewhere on Sounder Heart. And someone said, well, like, I really want to see how the Sounders look against an opponent that plays well. And... I don't know. I mean, I, I think on some level, if the Sounders keep playing opponents that look that have like their worst game in a while, maybe the Sounders are a big part of why those teams are having bad games. Like, I don't, like, I can't say that like for sure, but, um, 
you know, I mean, the, the Galaxy took seven shots from inside the box. They, uh, they had more possession, but it was pretty much even. I, like, I don't think the Galaxy played badly. I just thought the Sounders were two or three goals better than them. And the Sounders have played a team that played well. I mean, the Portland Timbers are a really good team this year. And we've seen them a lot. And at this point, you know, despite that last result against Portland, um, I, I think you can say that the Sounders have been the uh, better team outside of what happened in the MLS back knockout rounds that, you know, the Sounders had uh, their worst game of 2020 against LAFC and Portland went as far as you can go in whatever tournament that is. But Portland's the number two team in the West and Seattle's the number one team in the West. And if all can, Portland can do is get away with that kind of victory at home, then we know what the Sounders do against good teams. They play really well on average. Yeah. I think that's a really fair point. Um, and like to Susie's point earlier, uh, I know Jeremiah and I were talking last week uh, as, as we do. Um, and I, I was just remarking that everything, everything about this season feels so binary, like either they win or they don't. <laughs> and it's hard from a content perspective to constantly talk about that, which, uh, you know, maybe I'm showing how the sausage is made a little bit too much on this podcast, but I think in a season like 2020 and we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it doesn't look great. (laughs) Uh, If they're winning and they're winning more, a lot more times than they're not like, that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm really encouraged by the Sounders more than anything else. And I, and I think there is this maybe there's this tinge of doubt that I think is born out of that, that game against LAFC and MLS is back that technically doesn't count in standings. Doesn't um, exist. Doesn't exist. In fact, in a lot of ways, it doesn't, it really doesn't exist. Um, and, and I think if you take that game out, I mean, they've, you, you look at their losses and, you know, it was oh, two one goal losses to the Timbers in which at least one of them, I think you can say they, maybe both of them, I think you can say the Sounders were probably the better team. And and that they didn't finish their chances is frustrating. And the Timbers seem to have worked some si- sort of magic over the Sounders to, uh, you know, lead to some of these results. But I don't know. I'm I'm really encouraged by what I've seen. And and to the degree that I agree, I, I really do. I I think that what Susie said about there being a limited sample of opponents is very is very true and very fair. And I'm actually now, I'm kind of curious, like, how many, how the Sounders schedule, like, you look at how many teams played compared to teams, it seems like other teams are playing a wider variety of teams. It, not, not really. Like, so, so I, I actually kind of did look into this with no sort of, like, scientific understanding of how this bears out. But, like, Dallas is going to only play one more opponent in term, in sheer numbers because Dallas didn't actually play in MLS back at tournament because you know they got kicked out for COVID. So everybody's basically has the same situation just with a different set of teams. So I am curious. I mean, I'm curious what everyone's opinion on this is. I've been kind of championing this idea that whether or not MLS calls someone the like clearly there's some 
prize that teams are going to get for having the best regular season record, whether it be a Champions League spot or the ability to host MLS Cup, which I don't know if they've actually announced is the case yet. But my suspicion is that the winner of the, of the regular season will get something. But I'm really – I kind of am hopeful that the uh, Independent Supporters Council, who I believe technically awards the Supporters Shield, says there won't be a, a formal Supporters Shield winner this year uh, for a variety of reasons – uh, not the least of which is that supporters aren't going to be there to give it to out. them. <laughs> uh, but also because like this schedule is so skewed and, and I, and I really think I, 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 I would like to think I would believe this, even if the Sounders were leading. Um, but I just don't think that you can, you can really call a team a supporter shield winner. Cause this is not, and I really, I come up from this perspective saying, and I've like made this argument many times that it's like, for a lot of years, MLS has not had a balanced schedule. In fact, I think they've only played the classic home and away schedule maybe two or three times in the 25-year history of the league. And so, yeah, like '96, and then like the Sounders' first year, something like that. Like the first two years before the fire, or the year before the fire joined, I believe was like double home and away. Oh, and then. Yeah. Um, I think it was this year the Sounders joined. Wasn't that a standard well, one? But I, yeah, I think I think when the Timbers first came into the league, there were sixteen teams and they were playing thirty games, and so they played. Yeah. They played. Uh, they played home and home. I think that whole time, but so it was maybe two years. I think before the so it was the two years where between the Timbers and Whitecaps coming in and and the Impact coming in, uh, but. <laughs> My point being that the schedule is going to – it's not even that it's unbalanced. It's just so woefully unbalanced. Like, it's – it's the Sounders aren't going to play ha almost half the teams in the league even once. But you want the Supporters' Shield to be awarded because it'll be wonderful when Toronto FC wins the Supporters' Shield while playing a majority of their games at a stadium in Connecticut. I mean, there would be – Well, yeah, I mean, and they played the other two Canadian teams like 33 times. Uh <laughs> I mean, I mean, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. How you know have a Connecticut can uh, can celebrate their uh, their trophy win. I don't necessarily care if they award it. I think if you were going to ask me a, my opinion, I would want them to not award it. But um, I also already don't think it's that. <clears throat> it's a major trophy, but. Like I would rather the Sounders win MLS Cup every year than the Supporter Shield every year, just because only one of those things puts a star on the jersey. And until we figure out how to be a normal soccer league, that's just how things are. <laughs> Being on the side of winning the Supporter Shield twice for the rain and not winning the final, I would totally agree with that. <laughs> it's a it's lot not, more heartbreaking that way. Yeah, and like, like. I remember 2014 and how incredible of a season that was. We lifted the supporter shield on my wedding day, which doesn't get much better than that. Um, except Brad Smith said he would come to my wedding and, or not Brad Smith, Brad Evans said he would come to my wedding and he didn't. Um, hey, Brad. <clears throat> and, and I just remember the, the heartbreak we felt when, when LA, the only LA at that time, the galaxy, uh, beat us in the Western Conference Finals. So, I don't know. And if we have playoffs, I think they matter more. That's how I see the things there. 
it'll I would be. Say this, this is the year that playoffs are probably the most important they've ever been from a determining who's actually good perspective. Um, although it's crazy to think, I was just looking at this the other day, that as bad as Atlanta has been, like they're a point out of the playoffs right now because they're going to put 10 teams in the playoffs in the East. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think like what you're seeing in other sports and, and I, you know, the NBA and NHL is a little bit more drastic because they're doing the entire thing in a bubble. But like, for instance, the Miami Heat are in the final in the NBA, uh, they play seven games, up to seven games. And nobody thought they were going to reach the final. Um, they like were they were on the bubble of even getting into the bubble, at least from how I understand it. Now, if Casey was on the show, he's a big basketball fan. He could probably explain it better than I could. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, like, it goes back to that. It's It's binary. Like, if you win in the playoffs – and you reach the like if you reach the final, I think you're a good team. And there's probably going to be only two good teams this season. And I think we just kind of accept that and move on. Uh, but before we move on to previewing the Vancouver game, uh, how did everybody feel about uh, three things: New Who's performance, Will Bruin's performance, and Christian Ro- Christian Roldan's performance on the wing against the Galaxy? Because those were the things that changed because of the players weren't, weren't there. <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I, I, I thought all three were about as good as you could have hoped for, you know, knew who I thought it was important for him to get that assist, that secondary assist just for a, like in some ways it doesn't matter, but I thought it showed a good recognition of, of him understanding kind of the, the situation and putting a ball into space understanding that you know you, you let jordan run onto the ball and good things happen uh, and I, you know he had a couple couple or at least one shot that i thought was yeah that one from like 25 yards out that yeah. was a rocket yeah it was um you know didn't go in obviously but that was that was encouraging to see him and and all the reports out of the team have been that he's had a, the right attitude about the brad smith acquisition which is He's not seeing it as a threat. He's seeing it as a way to bolster the team. And, you know, I, I think he's going to get his minutes. Uh, so that was – I thought that was encouraging. I think Christian Roldan in some ways needed this performance the most. I think he was – you know, he has never been a prolific goal scorer, but he's shown that he can get forward. And, man, uh, both both goals I thought were, were great. Uh, the first one just that he made that run I thought was really encouraging – that he was there to, to get Morris's pass. And then on the goal, he showed a great touch to, to collect the pass from Joe Paulo. And it was a, it was a nice little finish. So I, and, and I thought Bruin was good too. I thought, you know, he didn't have it. He didn't do anything to light up the, the, uh, the stat sheet or anything, but he, he pulled players out of position and he did his thing. And uh, I thought he was, I thought he was about as what you would expect from him. Yeah, I think Nuhu did a lot to show that he's worthy of a starting spot, even with Brad Smith coming in. And I think, to Jeremiah's point, I just felt like that was such a vintage Christian rolled on performance that um, we've been hungry for this year. Um, not that he's been particularly bad. It just seemed like that's the Christian rolled on that we know um, a lot more. I thought I thought Will Bruin was so important to like the buildup of their attack and his ability to hold the ball and 
and like Jeremiah said, open, open up space. I, I think it's so underrated and it goes so unnoticed, but he was, the space wouldn't have been there without him. So he made such a difference. I thought. Yeah. Jordan Morris actually talked about that in the press conference following the game. He said that he basically said that if Will wasn't playing the way Will was playing, he wouldn't have been able to do what he did, which I thought was so, so much of uh, analyzing forward play is reductive to the goals and assists that they get. Uh, I'm a Liverpool fan. I I deal with Roberto Firmino hot takes all the time. And it's just, it's just nice to see the actual professionals say like, no, yeah. Like he didn't score or assist on anything, but he was like, absolutely integral to how we played i appreciate jordan morris backing up my point there (laughs) i don't have anything new to say about will or uh, christian because i think all of that's been said but what i really liked about new who is uh is that shot and how he showed that he's willing to dive into that space because i think at this point um we we just need to admit that in year three of mls play for him if he doesn't have a great cross, we're probably not going to see a great cross. <laughs> so how to integrate him? Because he has the speed to participate in the attack. So how do you integrate that player into the attack? And so getting him kind of on that elbow and central for short passes might be something um, that we want to see a little bit more of. Because if he can contribute to the attack in that way, kind of like you see um, Kelvin Leardham uses that space really well on the right. And if we can see Nuhu using that space to more effect, whether getting a shot off or uh, a little dribble as Nico likes to drift out wide to where uh, the left wing might be. If Nico's out wide on the left wing, Nuhu and Jordan can both fold into those other channels um, into that kind of narrower space. And so that'll be fun to see. Plus with how much running Nuhu, Joven and Brad Smith are expected to do, having that many left backs is going to be absolutely fine. I'm actually kind of um, more worried about the right back situation now because uh, Kelvin can't do 80 minutes every three days with how forward a, uh, a fullback is expected to be in, in this organization. You don't, you don't think uh, team of the week, Alex Roldan can, uh, can fill in there. <laughs> He has been completely suitable as a backup right back and he is getting Kelvin rest. But at some point I, the, the right side will change significantly the day that Leardham has to sit and he will need to sit when they're playing twice a week. Yeah. I I was, I was just making a joke because MLS's graphic that they put out this week with team of the week had, Alex Roldan instead of Christian Roldan. (laughs) I have a soft spot for, for social media people who make mistakes. I do too, but it, it, sometimes it makes for For good content. For the same reason. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, So, but I, you know, I, I love Nuhu and if he can, if he can do some, some short passing uh, intricate play there that pops Jordan into space or that gets a shot off that forces a center, the, uh, the right center back to step up. So Raul or Will are, are just one-on-one rather than bracketed. That's going to be wonderful. You know, one of the, the remarkable things so far this year has been how little 
full-blown rotation the Sounders have had to do. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's entirely because the, the schedule has actually been reasonably kind to them, so I'm sure that's part of it. But whatever they're doing to keep guys healthy this year seems to be working really well. Uh, it's hard to imagine that this is the same team that we've been complaining about for, I don't know. Hamstrings 12, FC. 12 years about their inability <laughs> to seemingly stay healthy, although they always get fit when we need them most. But um, it's been, you know, they've, they've enjoyed some really good health and they've not had to do, they've only had one game where they really had to fully rotate, not even fully, like they, they rotated half their lineup. And um, I guess the one, the 9 a.m. MLS is back, right? That was basically the only time that well, they had RSL. significant. Well, okay. I guess, yeah, I should, I should rephrase that. They've only had to do it once since the, since they came back. And they're the deepest squad. Like after this, uh, the Torres and Smith moves, they're deep. I would say that they are deeper than any other Sounder squad that we've seen, and yet we're not seeing rotation. May- I mean, maybe that's because Smith and Torres are so new, but um, uh, I, after- I feel like they're they're much deeper than 2016, 2019, 2018, 2014. After the LAFC, the last LAFC win, I said on this very show that I think Carlos Vela is a better player than anybody on the Sounders, but I think the Sounders have a better top-to-bottom roster than LAFC. Um, And I'll say the same thing about any team in the West, like – no, I, I mean, I think Nicholas Odero and Raul Ruiz is better than anybody on Portland, but I also think we have a deeper team, despite how sort of fascinated I am with how their roster is constructed. But um, maybe we can talk about that before the next time we play Portland, which will be like the 17th time this season. <laughs> Feels like it. Um, any any more thoughts on the, the Galaxy beatdown before we move on to uh, a potential trap game? No. Okay. So I, 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 I teased it a little bit, but, uh, and I, I don't know if I actually think this, but, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps are very bad and, uh, they can't seem to keep their keepers healthy. Uh, half their team goes missing for whatever reasons they have to play their home games in a different country. Uh, you know, there's there's so many reasons to point towards uh, why the Whitecaps are bad. But, Jeremiah, I'll go to you first. Is this a potential trap game for the Sounders, or am I too in my head just to even think that that's a possibility? I mean, I would – I think that there's the – there's always the possibility of a trap game like this where you have a – you know, they have a little bit of a break coming into it, so I think there's this – there's this possibility that they kind of let their guard down in that way that, you know, this is like their last, I think week long break that they have between games or close to week long break. Uh, Of course the white caps are not playing particularly well right now. So I think there's that component of it, but I I would also think it's a, it's a home game that they probably feel like this is someplace they have to get points. And so if they're going to look past, I, I think the, the following game is probably the one that is potentially more tricky uh, because they can they can at least scout for this one, uh, but this is this really is a must win game. I mean, they're they're uh, if they're 
hoping to finish top of the West. They they have to win a home game against the Whitecaps. Like it, like this is a a, a team that they absolutely should uh, manhandle. Uh, there's no real reason why they shouldn't. And um, and the Whitecaps have you know been bad and they've had some really ugly performances. Uh, they they lost six zero to the uh, to LAFC in which they basically broke a bunch of records that the Sounders had just set against the Earthquakes. <laughs> um, so it's you know it's a team the Sounders really. I, I I mean I think they're you're right. There's potential for it to be a trap game because I think you could potentially overlook it. But I would think that if anything, it's the following game that poses more of that that challenge. So Susie, are you are you going full strength eleven? against the Whitecaps and then rolling the dice when they play RSL the following Wednesday, or are you trying, trying to maybe figure out how to get everybody the right amount of rest? Yeah, I feel like I, you probably rest a couple, but I, I don't know if I would say trap game either. I think Vancouver has been bad, but they've also like gritted, gritted some games out more recently. I mean, I know they lost what one, nothing to Portland. They beat RSL before LAFC, I think. Um, so, uh, I don't, it's kind of one of those teams that should be bad and you just don't know who's going to show up. Um, so I, I do think you rotate a bit, but you probably still want some of your best players on the field for this one. I'll just throw one more thing in to consider, uh, this is Raul Rui Diaz's last game before he has to leave, presumably before he has to leave to Peru. So. You know, that's another reason, I think, just to kind of go for this one and then you figure out the rest of it as it comes. Yeah, it, if he does leave. I mean, there's still a week right. until that happens and kind of all the noise coming out of the league is that they're doing everything they can to keep the players here. Um, but, again, that's for people way above my pay grade to talk about. <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have any concerns about playing the Whitecaps or – are you thinking the Sounders are going to beat them 8-0? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Andy Rose. I, I wish the Sounders had him, but if the Sounders had him, he'd basically take over Jordy DeLem's minutes, and he's the Whitecaps' best center back. Um, and on this squad, he would be making the match day 18 or 20 or whatever the right number is these days. I'm a big fan of Freddie Montero, but on the Sounders, Freddie Montero – takes Will Bruins minutes maybe or maybe not like yeah. maybe it's M Miguel Ibarra's minutes like because Freddie has faded quite a bit and Freddie and, doesn't even start every game for Vancouver yeah so you know um that's two of their best players and, and uh they're not great anymore so if we're gonna bring the guys back together Vancouver probably should have a fire sale to be honest uh I've been an Ali Adnan fan uh, for a very long time. It's a weird thing. Uh, he's actually played quite well, but, you know, he's a Brad Smith, Jovan Jones-style left back. We know how effective those can be. Um, I'm going to be really intrigued watching he and Kelvin Leardown go at it, and that's pretty much uh, my only concern for this game is will Adnan get an assist? Um, he's – and that's it. That, to me, that's the question. It does, how, how much can Ali Adnan change the game? And um, since it's Vancouver, I expect not really well. Uh, he's, they've got a left back. I think he has seven or eight assists so far this year. Um, and uh, 
he's been great, but that's really all they have. Like, think back to Jovan Jones' best season here and how horrible the Sounders would be if that season from Jovan Jones was the best player on the team. And that's the Vancouver Whitecaps. And he has half the assists from that season. Uh, so uh, before, uh, during the Galaxy game, uh, we were talking in Sounder Heart about how, uh, how awesome it would be to have five queen sheets through 13 games. And Dubois had to ruin it with that late header goal that may have actually been the best header I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, are, do you think I, we've kind of talked about it being a trap game, but I think it's uh, Brian Smetzer talked about after the Portland game about wanting to create space between them and the rest of the Western conference. And do you think that they're looking at this as a game where, you know, they get their, their fifth queen sheet in 14 games, which is still pretty good. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they get another multi-goal win on, um, on, on the, on the uh, score sheet or whatever. Do you think that that's how they're approaching it or, or what? <laughs> I think for, oh, I was just going to say, I think for me it's all about momentum. So um, I'd want to keep, feeding Jordan Morris and try to keep getting him goals and feeling confident. And I'd want the defense to feel like the little things that they've been practicing or they're doing really well. So I guess that's what I would look at more than necessarily clean sheet or scoreline is just how they can keep the momentum toward the end of the regular season. Yeah. And to me, you know, you give up that late goal. I don't think that that is, you know, you're up three zero at that point. I don't and it was a really good header. And it, was, it was a good goal, right, exactly. And I think, you know, this is kind of what Schmetzer alluded to in his post game was, like, when you give up a goal like that and it's a letdown goal, you get frustrated because it's like you want your guys pushing to the end and, and maybe that's indicative of some other problems. But that's the case of a, a guy scores a good goal, you tip his hat, it's 3-0 at the time, you don't get too stressed over it. If I'm the Sounders, I'm looking much more at the fact that you know, you got six multi-goal victories in the last, uh, you know, nine games. That's a pretty good, you know, that's a, that's a, that's to me a little bit more indicative of the kind of form this team is in. Yeah. And that they are, you know, they're, they're blowing teams out of the water in some cases. And, and, and this is a team that it's, it's crazy to think about last year, they went six months between multi-goal victories. Uh, and that was a team that won MLS cup. And I don't know. I wrote about this the other day that, if there is a concern, it's that they haven't been grinding it. They don't have a whole lot of wins where they had to grind it out. And, and when it comes, you know, they haven't had to, you know, they, they opened the season with kind of a, a win like that where they had to get two late goals to beat Chicago. But since then, when they're winning, they're kind of cruising to victory. And then if they're not cruising, they haven't been getting the results. So I don't know if that's a concern, but it's something maybe to keep an eye on. We can grind out a victory against RSL on Wednesday. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, I'll go to each one of you with uh, a question of, are you picking New Who or Brad Smith and a score prediction? Dave. I'm going to go New Who right now, and that's mainly a uh, likely fitness concern. Um, I just don't expect that Brad's going to be 75 minutes or better at this point. So start New Who and get ready for 
the heavy rotation that's coming. I would, I'd probably the midweek next week would probably be new who too. And then, then I expect Brad to be more of a, a starter quality. Okay. Um, I don't think they get a clean sheet. I think it's going to be like three, one or four, one Jeremiah, you know, for the sake of conversation, I'll say Brad Smith, not because I necessarily think that that's the smartest decision, but because I'm curious to see it. I want to see what Brad Smith looks like. This is the last time you're going to get to see Brad Smith play with something like a full strength group around him. And so I'm really curious just to see how that looks. And so I guess in that way, I've talked myself into actually wanting to see this and, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to say another three zero win. Susie. Uh, I feel like it's new who for the reasons Dave shared, I think Brad Smith and his limited minutes against the LA galaxy looked like a guy that hadn't played soccer in a while. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but we know what he's capable of certainly. Uh, and I absolutely hate score predictions, but I will participate and say two nothing sounders. I hate him too, which is why I make everybody do him. You know, it, uh, it is, I, I just want to, I looked this up recently. It's cra- Brad Smith hasn't started since MLS Cup. That's crazy. I know. Yeah, he, he he barely played when he went back to England. So yeah, I mean he 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 and he. I guess he hadn't really tra- like this is his probably his first full week of training in, uh, in something like four months. So to 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 split the to split the show, I will uh, I'll pick Brad Smith just because I think that that's interesting. Uh, as you can probably hear my dog in the background offering her opinion. Uh, <laughs> and as far as uh, score, I, I want to, this is the type, I, I kind of want to prophesy the type of Saturday night I want to have. So I'm going to pick five zero wow. uh, just wow. because it's Saturday night. So let's have some fun. And uh, I don't know. I think, I think the, I think the Sounders really want to prove a point. Um that that they didn't get to prove against the Galaxy because they probably should have scored more and the Galaxy probably shouldn't have scored at all. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm picking 5-0. Uh, it's probably going to be a lot like the score lines you guys predicted, but um, hey, what can you do? So i um, like to thank the listeners for listening to another episode. This has been the Sounder at Heart podcast. Uh, for Susie, Jeremiah, and Dave, I'm Mark Kastner. Uh, go Sounders. <laughs>